You are listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We're a small church with a big vision to reach unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people by presenting a Pentecostal, full gospel message. It is our prayer that this message you're about to hear would illuminate the truth, offer freedom, and honor Christ. Thanks for listening. How do we reconcile horrific experiences with the idea that our journey is God-ordained and thus to be treasured? Do we appreciate every step? Aren't there occasions we would trade for anything, especially if the offer was Eden? One of the ideas, I suppose. Um, well, let's let's ask this. I, I'm trying to. I, I tried to kind of sift through not just one set of questions, but some questions that were coming at me from different areas and tried to um, tried to sift through it and make it where it was something that we could talk about in just a few minutes. Um, and, and I kind of cut it down to this too, and that is, it, it, one, you could ask yourself, does God ordain our pain? Um, and if he does, wouldn't that mean that God willed the misery that became associated with it? And thankfully, because we've been talking about Job in Sunday school, I was able to, to go straight there and say no more than God instigated Job's suffering. How many of you would say that God instigated Job's sufferings? The answer to that is God didn't instigate Job's suffering. We have each, you can read, read that, um, we have each experienced the presence of the Lord in our terrible, horrific experiences and another questioner, as it was asked, was, does that mean I'm supposed to treasure the experience because it leads to a time of divine presence? Does that, does that make sense? Do you see? I'm having to ask a bunch of questions, and I could, I could never really get it boiled down to one. Um, it, it just seems to me that not only is the divine presence, the presence of God, the presence of the Spirit in our lives, how, how, however you want to word that yourself, um, it, it seems like the divine presence or the presence of, of the Spirit of God in our lives is always available 100% of the time, no matter where we are and where we go, because God is in us and He is with us. So not only is the Lord in Casey, the Lord is with Casey, right? And so the Lord speaks to her, um, in a still small voice, and the Lord speaks to her when she's in the Word. Um, it just seems from the onset, from the first family probably to the last family, that horrific experiences are a part of the human condition. And, and I say that not because I think it's bad to be a person, but because Cain killed Abel. And it just seems that that not and I don't think that was a direct reflection of family problems, though it probably was to some degree. It's a d direct reflection on the condition of people's hearts. So you would have to say then, from the outset, because humanity was made to willfully worship God, then there was something on the inside of a man or on the inside of a woman. I say man to mean mankind, humankind. So there's something on the inside of a human that God deposited in there so that we could freely choose. And it really be a free choice. 
and not something that God had to manipulate behind the scenes as though he was a grand puppet master. I believe God is a grand designer, but I don't believe you could... I don't, I don't think it's accurate to say that God would be a grand puppet master. That, that God, though he is sovereign and he has a plan for every single person, I think it would be foolish to say that every single person lives out the perfect will of God. I just don't think that's true. Um, so, we sing songs like he's in the crushing. God's in the crushing. Did God cause the crushing? I, I don't know. But is he there in it? Yes. Do we sense his presence there? Certainly. Um, but does that make the crushing desirable? Does it make it beneficial? And so I've been studying on this for a long time. And the answer is I don't know. Um, I can say that I wish that we were never faced with death and divorce and malady and catastrophe and experiences that nobody would choose to go through. Um, but God is there, and in that we not only take solace, but we also find um, direction and the way out with him there. Um, a question associated with that you, you can see this, and, and I have several pages of notes. It, it took me a long while to boil this down in a way that we could just kind of eat a couple of bites and then, and then move on. And, and to me, the questions are related. Um, well, you can see if God ordained the pain, wouldn't that mean that God willed the misery associated with it? So you can see I, I put that in there twice. That's the answer to that is no. But does that mean, listen, do we believe that the fall is the perfection of God's will? And so the answer to that is no, but it is debatable. Not by us, but there are, there are people that do that say because God foreknew it, and Scripture clearly says that God foreknew it because Jesus is re referred to as the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. If God knew something was going to happen and allowed it, though it was against his will, does that mean it became a part of the will of God? And I think the answer to that is no. I do understand why philosophers debate it, but I think the answer is no. And, and I ask the Lord, please, God, help me to explain this in a way that does not require me to talk to you as though you've had the same amount of philosophical reading in your life as I have. And so did God plan for trouble? Did he allow it? And so the Lord kind of directed my thoughts along this, this line, and that is uh, much the same way you allow your children to disobey. You told her not to, but the little precious blessing went ahead and ate the cookie anyway. You baked the cookie. You had the cookie read, readily available to her. All she had to do was climb up on the cabinet and lift the lid. Does that mean you allowed the little precious blessing to eat the cookie? The answer is no. You told her not to. You didn't allow it. Did you accommodate it? Well, that's where philosophers can debate. Maybe you did accommodate it. Maybe if you didn't want her to have a cookie, you shouldn't have had the cookies anywhere near where the little precious child could find them. 
You did make the cookie delicious. You did cause the kitchen to smell up. You made her little mouth water. You did all of that. And you knew it was beyond her ability to resist, but you went on ahead and did it. But does that mean you, you are the one that caused her to, to get the chair? The answer to that is, of course, no. God gave Adam explicit directions and told him what to, what to do and what not to do. God put explicit parameters on all human life, and he did so in, um, in Adam. So, I want to read these few verses, and then we'll move on. And if y'all want to talk about that some more, we can. Um, but it's complicated conversation because there is no easy answer, and I'm not sure there's right and wrong, to tell you the truth. And, and, I want to sh and I wanted to read Romans 8, 29 in two different translations, not just the King James. And for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And now, this is where the pre people, people kind of lose their minds on the idea of predestination. Um, Calvinists, I think, are so wrong, it's ridiculous, and we're not going to talk about it. But what I mean by that is you, God did not predestine every single step of your life. He predestined that you be conformed to the image of his son, and that's in the Bible. You can't say that God predestined everything everybody does. And everybody is born with the ability to be saved. Everybody is born with a conscience. Okay, almost everybody is born with a conscience. Very few people are born conscienceless. But I can't say every single person is born with a conscience any more than I can say every single person is born clearly boy or girl because there are some that are born, and it's confusing. But it's really rare. But everybody, so uh, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren is what the King James says. And so I like how the New Living says, for God knew his people in advance. So that means God knew you in advance. You were not an accident. I don't care what your mama said. And he chose them to become like his son. Thank you for listening. And he chose them to become like his son. That's kind of the thought there. God chose you to be like Jesus so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, what we struggle with in America is Hebrews 5.8. In China, it's not so much of a struggle to understand this. Where the, in places in Africa, in Haiti... Oh, I've heard some Haiti stories lately that you don't want to know. Even though Jesus was God's son, I like the NLT, all of them say the same thing. This just puts it in words that we all can understand. Even though Jesus was God's son, he had to learn obedience, and he did it from the things that he suffered. And so here you go. We are, we are to be conformed to the image of his, of, the, of his son. God is calling you to be like Jesus. Now... In order to be like Jesus, there has to be some suffering. Jesus suffered. In order to be like the Father, Jesus had to suffer to be like the Father. 
Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn that cat around for just a minute. Don't throw nothing at me, I, but I think you'll understand. Jesus also had to suffer so he could be like Tabitha. So because Jesus, Scripture referred, the same, the same book of Hebrews calls him, uh, says Jesus is able to succor. He is able to comfort those. Uh, he said, Scripture says, and he was tempted in all ways like, as our, like we are, so that he can comfort, be with, encourage, and bless those who are also being tempted. And so I had James, well, maybe I still do have it up here. And so the idea then is uh, to count it all joy when you face trials. Now, I, I, I ran out of, I, I just decided not to spend all these slides on this. Um, the CEV says, my friends, be glad, even if you have a lot of trouble. And so that's not necessarily that comes easy, any, easy to anybody. Um, but the same little passage ends with, uh, don't, don't believe that temptations come from God. Temptations come from the devil. So he says here, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations or when you're tempted to sin or, or when the troubles come. See, troubles come in order to tempt you to sin. Just, just think how easy it would have been for Job to curse God and die. Job remained righteous in his suffering, which is incredible, by the way. He never did sin in the midst of unimaginable pain and loss. Scripture even refers to him as a man of righteousness. He maintained his righteousness even in the middle of it all. And so we can too. How do we do that? I don't know. That's the only thing that I know. Just pray and read the, read the book. But there's, there's so many questions associated with us that I'm not sure there's, there's tons of clean answers. We can chase this rabbit down a long way. The only way justice and holiness exists in your life is if you have the capacity to sin. Otherwise, it's neither justice nor is it holiness. Without the ability to need them and to walk in them, by definition, they are no longer grace and holiness. You know, and, and one of the questions next week, I keep turning this page away. Um, next week, we're going to answer a couple, of, a couple of good questions. I think it's a two-question night next week. Because it kind of goes, goes in here. Um, one, maybe three. God is holy and good. He's the creator of all things. It's since God is the creator of all things, how do we reconcile the idea that a perfectly good God is capable of creating beings capable of evil? Um, uh, with this, we'll talk about uh, the devil is the fallen angel. He was jealous and envied God. So how did these kind of feelings even get started in heaven? Good question. And then uh, the last question that I have, is do we sin every day? And if not, then could one sinless day lead to another and then to another? And before you know it, we'd be comparing ourselves to Jesus. And so the, the idea of good and bad, ho holy and unholy, um, we're not, I'm not going to get into what I think would be the origin of evil. That's just too much. And I don't want to spend that much time in my life trying to actually figure that out well enough to tell you. Um, but... Those are good questions, and the origin of evil has to be... We'll, we'll discuss that somewhat. Not a lot. Um, because I am no expert, and I don't have time between now and then to become one. But I have some thoughts. And I think the Bible is really clear on pride. 
really, really clear on I would be like God. And that attribute is deposited in the heart of every man and woman. That is what causes us to, to I want to be like God, causes us to, our, our, our lives to be more rich and fulfilled than any other desire that we could possibly have. And I want to be my own God causes the biggest catastrophe that any life could ever possibly hold. Thanks again for listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We are located in Hope, Arkansas, and our service times are 1030 Sunday mornings and 630 Wednesday nights. You can find our live streams on our Facebook page and learn more about who we are at wog-hope.com. That's w-o-g-hope.com. See you soon. God bless.